for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Eno Saras, who covers baseball for the Athletic, about the pending upcoming Major League Baseball season. Once that Super Bowl ends, time to turn your sights to spring training. At least that's how it works in my household. That's how it works in my head. However, we may have a different looking game this year, not just because of some of the changes we saw from 2020, but because Major League Baseball announced last week, as Eno Saras reported, that they will deaden some of their baseballs this season in order to prevent the large amount of home runs that have been hit over the last couple of seasons. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, if that's a bad thing, or if that's going to be more attractive to the common fan, but it's certainly something we'll talk about with Eno Saris, who joins me next. It's Monday, February 15th. It's always fun when we can talk baseball with Eno Saris, who covers baseball for The Athletic. And Eno, I don't think I've seen you since we jumped on uh, with Steve Berman, and we did a San Francisco Giants trivia contest uh, oh, in, which, oh in which we were no, all... No, no, <laughs> no. Don't bring that oh, up. Oh, I'm, I'm, I forgot. Actually, I'd forgotten that there was like a there was like something funny that happened with you until you even brought that up. I was going to say last time I saw you, you had big flowing locks, and last I checked on social media, you were posting locks of your hair on the ground after you buzz cut some of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. My wife and uh, my mother and uh, all of my Twitter trolls finally got to me. <laughs> Gotta love Twitter trolls, man. I love that they got to you so much they made you change your physical appearance. <laughs> I'm joking. I, you know what it is? Is you just get older and you're just like, man, how long do I gotta wait for this to dry? Yeah, exactly. You don't want to start blow drying your hair. When you start adding chores to get yourself exactly. ready to get out of the house, that can be a problem. So figured we'd have you on as, as after you know football season ends, we kind of turn our sights to baseball. And because there's been so many changes and questions, and I'm sure next offseason we're going to be doing the exact same thing as we sort of pour through what's going to happen with the collective bargaining agreement. But there was some breaking news last week that you were a part of. You and Ken Rosenthal had a piece here on The Athletic talking about how Major League Baseball has openly sent a memo to its general managers saying that they are going to deaden the baseball this season, which is kind of funny to me. I thought, boy, that's pretty open. We're just not going to let you hit as many home runs this year. Can you tell us about how you guys came about the memo and and really what we should expect with this change of the baseball? Yeah, it's crazy. In the past, we've noticed because of these things like TrackMan and Hawkeye, these different tracking systems, we've noticed that the ball has acted differently year over year. And This is the first time where baseball has sent a note to GMs saying, we are going to change the ball. And it was addressed to GMs and equipment managers and assistant GMs. And they said they're going to deaden the ball. I mean, it's all in the name of trying to be more consistent game to game and year to year and tried to get rid of some of those swings we've seen. But they had to center it somewhere, and they did decided not to center it around the ball that we've seen in the last two years, where we've seen more homers than ever before in the history of baseball. So they're kind of going to go back, I think, you know, trying to guess what the, the numbers they were we were given to around 2017. Still a lot of homers, not as much as we've seen recently. Probably about a 5% reduction in home runs. Clarify that for me real quickly here. Did you say that like they're doing this to the ball they had from the last two years? Is that suggesting that there was a different baseball being used, or is that is that a known or a common fact? Uh, it's a very interesting question. <laughs> They've never really admitted to changing the ball, and they and they said that in the past these changes have been 
part of optimization of the process or whatever it is, just part of the sort of general business of constructing a ball. It is a hand-constructed ball. It isn't the easiest ball to sort of make uniformly. And so their point was, this was within the specifications. It's just small changes that have had an outsized effect on the game. This time, though, they are actually changing the core. They're changing the bounciness of the ball. It's not about if it was wound a little tighter or wound a little bit less this is this time it's about the construction maybe that's the difference maybe that's why they're telling everybody and having this memo yeah, but the other funny part about this, and, and in reading your piece with Ken Rosenthal, it says, you know, the Athletic obtained an internal memo, which to me always means, boy, we weren't supposed to see that, right? That was just supposed to go to the general managers and to the team. So I wonder, do you think baseball is intending or was intending to be transparent with the fans about this? Because they seemed adamant over the last couple of years that they did not juice the baseballs. You know, uh, Ken is so well-sourced. You know, I don't think you can slip a cheese by this mouse. You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, <laughs> They're being transparent to GMs and general managers, and I don't think that they were surprised at all that we heard about it. So I think there is some transparency going on. There's other parts that are not so transparent. They say, for example, that Rawlings came to them with this ball last year and that they had to direct Rawlings not to manufacture the ball. Well, MLB owns Rawlings, so they had to tell themselves not to do something. There's something a little bit weird in there. It has been a little fishy with Major League Baseball and what they've been forthcoming about over the last uh, couple of seasons, I think. And as we get closer to the CBA for next year, there could be more issues with that. You guys went on to write about the KBO, and I personally paid a lot of attention to the KBO. I work so early in the morning that often days I'd get up and I'd catch some uh, some key womb heroes or the, uh, the Samsung Lions playing ball on ESPN in the middle of the night. But in 2018, you guys noted that they deadened their baseball. Can you tell us about that process and, and maybe the impact that had overall on their game? They meant to do it. You know, the KBO, when Eric Thames played, played there, was a place where people hit 50 and 60 homers. And it was just a real offensive explosion. So they wanted to change the game. They wanted to deaden the ball. And they did it on purpose, but they did it on a, almost the same magnitude, very similar magnitude as this change that's been reported. And they lost 30% of their homers. So just one of the things that I worry about is that there's always unintended consequences. And with the ball, it just seems like any small change brings about a large and outsized sort of effect. They say you're only going to lose a foot or two on a 375-foot home run, and that equates to a 5% loss in homers. But what if the ball flies a little bit differently because it's now shaped differently? What if pitchers can't command it as well? What if they got you know some of the numbers wrong? What if the, they didn't actually look at the drag at all? What if the drag is, is totally different? What if they lost 30% in homers? I think people would be upset. It would be a very different game. And with we have so many strikeouts in the game, to have so many strikeouts and have 30% less homers, the game would suffer for it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's so funny to say they want to have consistency across the board because, you know, you look for years they played in Colorado without that humidor, right? And the balls would dry out and it would change the flight path of the ball. How much research do you think went into this? Is that going to be impacted, you think? Was there a, a big case study done on all of this? Or do you think this was just a sort of a brash or, or a immediate decision to say, hey, we've got to cut down on some of these homers. This is how we do it. They tested it. And to their credit, they held those balls back in 2020 and they tested it. And they that's when they came up with this foot or two less on fly balls. And, you know, they have some there's some great minds on it. 
I hope it works out the way they've kind of simulated it uh, going forward. But uh, I don't know that anybody in 2019 simulated 2020. So, no, but uh, the Humidor is a really interesting thing to bring up because there were five teams. Another part of this announcement is that uh, there were five teams that had Humidors, Colorado among, among them. Arizona changed from being a hitter's park to being more of a pitcher's park with their Humidor. It was a very big change where they lost about 20% of their homers. That five new teams are adding Humidors and they're adding someone who's going to watch the mud application, the application of mud to the balls in every ballpark to try and get everything. So they're trying to make everything. And if you noticed, ballparks are becoming more similar too. San Francisco changed uh, to become a little bit more hitter friendly, uh, but also to to put the bullpens out there. But you've seen New York, Seattle, San Diego, they've all brought their walls in. Places that played really pitcher friendly have tried to become more neutral. Part of this is that you can attract hitters and pitchers alike. You know, there haven't been a lot of hitters that have signed willingly to come to San Francisco. And so if you make it play more evenly, maybe that'll change. But then part of it also is just an effort in baseball to kind of homogenize the experience in, in terms of cut down on the number of variables that could lead to weird outsized uh, effects. So, you know, all in the name of efficiency, I guess. Now, personally, like, I like the unique elements of every ballpark. I like that there used to be flagpoles in center field at, at Minute Maid Park and that there's a, a brick wall in right that's 24 feet high and in San Francisco. Why doesn't Major League Baseball just make it all uniform? Why don't you do the soccer thing and say, hey, you got to have these dimensions or your field. We could push everything back, make center field 600 feet deep. You cut down on home runs that way. I think that it's part of what you're talking about. I, I think they would like it to still be unique park to park, and that is a unique experience. You don't go to a basketball stadium and in this one the basketball court's 10 feet longer. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. So there are certain dimensions that are set in stone. And there are other ones that uh, are up to the teams, and it leads to cool ballparks. I think the it's the outlier ones. There's Bush Stadium, which plays as a pitcher's park, and then there's San Francisco that plays as, you know, like five rungs down from that pitcher's park. You know? <laughs> so, you know, that's why they brought it up a little bit. I think Tall's Hill was really fun until someone tears an ACL, like, running up that mountain. So, you know, that's why that one's gone. So, you know, there is a tendency to kind of push towards modernization, but there's also a lot of people in baseball that enjoy the uniqueness of every ballpark, the short shelves in certain places. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think certain teams, if it's a small thing, they feel like they can take it to their advantage. Like if you look at right-handed hitters in Yankee Stadium, they have a real short porch there. They've gone out and gotten opposite field hitting right-handed people like Aaron Judge and DJ LeMayhew. They hit a lot of opposite field homers uh, to that short porch out there and take advantage of the home park. So there is a contingent of analysts and people who run teams who say, hey, we can take advantage of this. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, when you've got something like that, you can build it to your advantage. You know, Petco, you know, they went out and they built that to make it Barry Bonds proof. And then he only played for a few more years and they had to readjust the dimensions of their ballpark. I think about Nolan Arenado, who's leaving Colorado, going to St. Louis. And he's like, I was already going to lose a percentage of my home runs. Now you're going to cut the ball down too? I'm going to lose a whole bunch of them. Yeah, it's interesting also in the in the context of the Giants, who just had one of the top three turnarounds year over year with their bats in this last year. Will they lose all of that? But one thing I see from Farhan's leadership in San Francisco is, you know, a fair amount of contact forward people. Tommy LaStella, Wilmer Flores, Donnie Solano. Some of these pickups are guys who can pair power with contact. He's kind of building around the edges, too. He's finding hitters that will come here because it's one of the few jobs they're offered kind of deal. And he's also spent a lot of time building the offense through waiver claims, trades, you know, these kind of signings. Whereas the pitching side, they still can attract Kevin Gossman, Drew Smiley types, veteran 
bounce back pitchers that will come here because of the park. So I do see a sort of team strategy kind of evolving under Farhan's leadership, which is we're going to sign short-term deals with starting pitchers. Starting pitchers always want to come here. So let's sign short-term deals with starting pitchers and have a long-term play when it comes to the offense. And, and I think it's probably safe to say this will not be the year Brandon Belt finally hits 20. I know that's kind of the running joke around San Francisco <laughs> every year. Hey, before we let you go, you know, uh, I want to give you a, a little shout out and a little props here. The uh, Fantasy Sports Writers Association said that your fantasy baseball podcast, Rates and Barrels, was the number one fantasy baseball podcast in the country. It's the best one going right now. Congratulations to you, man. I think it's, it's fantastic. I'll have to dial into you this year. And Brian, who's my producer here at The Athletic, he and I have gotten into it with our KNBR Fantasy Baseball League for years because I'm a rotisserie guy with baseball. Everybody else wants to play head-to-head. I'm the commissioner. This is probably the year we make the switch. Do you have a preference, head-to-head or, or rotisserie, for uh, for fantasy baseball? I like Roto. The cream rises to the top in Roto, I think, better. In head-to-head, uh, you can build a team that's a juggernaut and there's an injury or the team you know, sits all their veterans because they're in first place and can't lose their draft position or whatever it is. You know, I just I hate coming to the end of the season and trying to to win a head to head matchup uh, in those last two weeks. It's it's terrible in basketball where they just sit everybody in the last two weeks and you just you know just like what happened to my team? So I'm a roto guy, but I also think in baseball in particular, there's something about accumulation. You know, you're, it's a 162 game season, man. That's my logic, man. It's like I'm drafting a pitcher not because I think he's going to have a great week. I'm drafting him because I think he's going to have a good year. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think baseball in particular is a roto sport. Everybody make sure you check out Rates and Barrels. You know, thanks so much, man. We'll catch up with you down the road, dude. Maybe your hair will be longer by the time uh, opening day rolls around, huh? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. Man, you know, one of my favorite guys to talk to on the podcast. Love having him on. Always gives a unique perspective because he's a baseball guy, but he also broke a little news there. Some stuff I was not aware of. Five other teams going to have humidors this year. And how about that gig, being the guy who's got to watch over how they apply the mud. For those who don't know what uh, what Eno was talking about there, they do rub up these baseballs with that sort of red, muddy clay. But there's always been some, uh, I don't know, the ability to maybe manipulate or change how you do things. I've always wondered who was monitoring that humidor in Colorado. Tim Lincecum used to get bummed out about about that at the end of the season. Blanken juiced balls, if you recall him throwing pitches in Colorado and giving up big shots late into August. Colorado Rockies, for a number of years, had uh, had that rumor about them that they were turning off the humidor when they got to the back end of the season. Anyway, thank you to Eno. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. We're back with another week of the Update Podcast. We'll be back with you on Wednesday and Friday, talking more baseball, talking more Warriors. Also, is Russell Wilson on the move? The QB carousel in the NFL continues. All stuff we can talk about in the coming weeks. But until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.